0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Torah Timecha, Parsha, with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Shoshana Schechter, and today we will be studying Parsha Noach. Noach begins Eila toldot Noach. Noach ish zadik, tamim haya bedorotav. et alohim hitalech Noach. Um, these are the offspring of Noach. Noach was a righteous man, perfect in his generation or complete in his generation. Noach walked with Hashem. So Rashi starts out by asking us, what does it mean, Eila told Noach, Noach is Tzadik? What do you mean these are the generations of Noach? And before it goes into Noach's children, which doesn't happen until Tupsukim later, it tells us that Noach was a Tzadik. So Rashi says something very beautiful here. And what Rashi says, he says two things. Um, the first thing he said, since we're mentioning Noach, so Zecher Tzadik Livracha, so once we mention his name, then we... Mention him with a bracha, and that's why we say, "Ish tzaddik tamim haya And then the second part of Rashi, he says that "Ela told Noach." What does it mean? These are the offspring of Noach. These are the generations of Noach. Noach is tzaddik. That really, what the medrash is telling us is that the primary do the primary offspring or generations of the righteous people are their good deeds. Because the worthwhile things that a person does, that's his primary legacy. So it's such a beautiful idea that it's not just children. You know, you assume someone's legacy is their children. There are wonderful people out there who might not have that legacy. So their legacy is their good deeds. And that's why Eilat told Noach, Noach is sadik, that the tzidkut, the righteousness, is in fact the offspring or the toladot, the generations or the offspring or the legacy rather of a person. And then of course there's Rashi who talks about, among other mafarshim, Rashi is the first one to talk about this um, that why does it say Bidorotav? Why does it say Noach ish tzaddik? that Noach was a Tzadik in his generation? And Rashi famously quotes the Medrash, actually. So Rashi was not the first one, actually. But Rashi quotes the Medrash, and he says, "bedoratav" in his generation, that, you know, why do you need to say "bedoratav"? Just say, Noach is tzaddik, tamim haya, that Noach was a tzaddik, and he was complete. What do you mean in his generation? Of course it's his generation. It's not someone else's generation. So Rashi says that, "yesh lishvach, v'yesh that either you can understand the word "bedoratav" as something positive about Noach, Or you could understand it as something negative about Noah, meaning that if it's He's a tzaddik because, relatively speaking, everybody else around him is so terrible, and that's why he's a tzaddik. So, relatively speaking, he's a tzaddik. So that's not something that's so positive. It's like you know, you have a you have a silver coin. If you put the silver coin in a in a container of, of gold coins, it's not so shiny. It's only shiny when it's in a container of, of copper coins. Um, but at the same time, but on the other hand, you could understand Bedoratav as something praiseworthy. That look, he was able to be a Sadiq, even in his generation. And Rashi quotes the Medrash there. Well, the Medrash actually says it's like when you have something sweet smelling that can retain its smell, even if it's like underground, buried underground in a grave, that even it can, it can retain its its smell when it's surrounded by things that don't smell good. That's how good it is. It smells so good that it, it can even retain its smell around things that don't smell good. And that is L'shevach. That is to praise him. Um, so the question is, Really, the question is, how do we understand Bedorah Tav? But the bigger question here is, there's a comparison between Noach and Avraham. And why is there a comparison between Noach and Avraham? Because like I said before, the bigger question is, why was Noach chosen for this physical mission if you will to save the world physically but he was not chosen to be the father of the Jewish people and yet Avraham, who comes after him was chosen for a spiritual mission not just the physical mission that Noah was chosen for Abraham was chosen Noah was chosen to save the world physically and Abraham was chosen to save the world spiritually world spiritually and there is a a, a connection between the two because of the similar phrases that with Noah, we're told Tz, um, tzadik bedorotav, et Noach, that um, he was a Tzadik in his generation and he walked with Hashem. And with Avraham, we're told at the beginning of Parak Yud Zion, we'll get there later on in our uh, Parsha, um, we're told that that avraham Hashem says to Avram, le fanai walk before me and be complete. So what's the difference? It's very similar language. And whenever there's similar language, you have to compare it. So what's the difference? You know, it seems like, oh, Noach's walking with Hashem and Avram's walking before Hashem. But again, Rashi points out among other Mepharshim, also quoting the Medrash here, Rashi quoting the Medrash, says that walking with Hashem was not quite as strong as walking before Hashem because Noach needed to walk with Hashem. Noach needed Hashem's support to be able to get him through this generation, whereas Avram was able to walk before God and light up the world with the knowledge of Hashem and find Hashem on his own, he didn't need to be supported by Hashem. Um, One last comparison, interestingly, um, between uh, the Emesli Yaakov talks about how Noah is in contrast to... to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, because Noah, this is an interesting point, Noach begins as an Ish Sadiq. and if you look at the end of the flood story, he's called Noach Ish Adama. So he starts out as this righteous man, but at the end of the story, he's a man of the ground, Ish Adama, which is usually symbolizing like a more lowly type person. So it seems like he went down a notch, whereas Moshe Rabbeinu, um, started out as an Ish Mitzri, he is called an Ish Mitzri by Yitro's daughters. We'll get there as well. Oh no, we won't get there. That's Sefer Shemot. You'll get there. Um, Moshe starts out as an Ish Mitzri and ends up at the end of his life in Devarim as an Ish Elokim. You know, starting out as an Egyptian man and ending up as an as a man of God. And the Emesli Yaakov says, very interestingly, you know, you would think that it would be a Noach who would rise up and become an Isha Lokim, a man of God, because he kept to himself, because he did his own thing, he communed with Hashem had this very close relationship with Hashem, but really it was just one-on-one, just him and Hashem, whereas Moshe was so busy with everybody and busy leading the nation and answering everyone's question, and he was, he was busy with everyone's needs and demands that you would think he wouldn't be able to connect as strongly to Hashem. And says the Emosli no, it's, it's, it's a Moshe, who actually connected with Hashem in a stronger way than a Noach. Noach, he had a good relationship with Hashem. We're not knocking Noach. He's an Ish Sadiq. Hashem calls him an Ish And We should all be called Sadiqim by Hashem in Hashem's eyes. But look at Noach, and he kept to himself, and Hashem told him, you know, build a teva, and, and I'm going to destroy the world. I want you to build a teva. And he said, okay. And in fact, the Pasuk tells us, that Noach did yeah. kechol tzivah, He did everything that Hashem commanded him and then it repeats kei That's exactly what he did. He didn't fight for the tzibor. He didn't, you know, that's the comparison with Avraham. He didn't fight for them. If it was Avraham, you could imagine he would have been fighting. Look how Avraham fought on behalf of the people of Stom. And, but Mo- Noah just took it sitting down. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do exactly as you say. Which again, is not something negative about Noah. It's, but it, but he's an ordinary tzading as opposed to an Avraham who's an extraordinary tzaddik. And then a Moshe who becomes an Isha Lokim because he was so busy with the tzibor. And maybe it's not just somebody who's sitting and learning himself and focusing on his own, own relation with Hashem, but somebody who's also focusing on Ben Adam Lechaviro and helping others and doing chesed and, and, and being osik b'tzarchi tzibor. And maybe that's what it takes to make someone into an Isha Lokim. Then we have the story of the flood. If you look at the psukim and go through the parsha, I think a lot of people probably listened to this before Shabbos. So it's a nice opportunity, you know, going through the parsha on Shabbos. You'll see when there's a description of the flood, the setting keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And you almost see it. You see it in the psukim that everything gets darker and then the rain comes and then it's a flood. And then there's this one transitional pasuk where in Parag Zayin, Pasuk Hav Gimel, where it says, Vayimachet kol asher Everything was destroyed. Every living thing on the face of the earth was destroyed. May Adam Ad Beheemah Ad Remes <laughs> Um the Ad shamayim. Um, and then it ends with, that Pasuk ends with, that everything was destroyed and the only thing that remained was Noach and everybody that was with him in the Teva, in the Ark. And that's the transition in the middle of the flood story. And then after that, things get lighter and lighter. So it's darker, 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 darker till everything is destroyed. And in that one Pasuk that I just read, you have the transition because everything is destroyed. And yet there's this beacon of hope. So it's like the whole, just imagine the whole setting is dark, 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 black, 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 except for one little light on the horizon, that little light that's the Teva that's bobbing on the horizon that has Noah and his family and all the life in the world at that point is now in that little dot of light. And now at the end of the story, the second half of the story, that light gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it culminates in the um, end of the flood, which is culminated in a rainbow. And, um, And just a word about the rainbow. Um... The Ramban talks about why there's a rainbow. Why is the rainbow a sign, the oat that Hashem made um, to, to make the brit with the world, and the Ramban says, if you look at the rainbow, the rainbow, what, what, why is it called a rainbow? It's not a bow like you wear in your hair. It's a bow like in a bow and arrow. Look at the shape of the rainbow. It's a bow like a bow and arrow, but yet it's upside down. So before this, when Hashem was bringing the mabul, it's almost like the bow was, imagine, I can't draw it for you while, while I'm just speaking here and you're listening, but just imagine a bow and arrow with Hashem, let's say in shamayim kiviyachol, holding that bow and sh- shooting arrows down on earth. And the and now Hashem is saying he's taking this rainbow and he's turning and taking the bow and he's turning it around facing the other way. And that's his way of saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking you anymore. And in fact, um, the Ramban brings this down. He says, when people used to go to war and one side would want to end the war and they would want to surrender or stop fighting or make peace. How do you do that? If everybody's out in the fields, you know, and everyone's fighting with each other. So the side that would want to make peace or surrender would take their arrows, put the arrows down on the ground and take their bows and turn the bows around because they then they couldn't shoot anymore. They couldn't shoot at each other. So that's what the symbol here is, says the Ramban, that Hashem is taking that bow. There's no arrows at all here anymore because he, the flood stopped. The arrows were really like the rain coming down. And Hashem is now taking that bow, turning it around, facing it the other way. And that's symbolizing, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not attacking earth anymore. And I'm never going to do it again. And then finally, after the flood, the last story in Noah, which is in Parak Yodalif, the beginning of Yodalif, is the story of dub Bavel. Very interesting story. It's nine psukim long, which is very interesting. The whole story is nine psukim long. And I think you could split it up into two parts. Part one is four psukim. And then there's a pasuk that's a transition, and then part two is four psukim. The first four psukim, let's call it Rabot Machshavot Belev Ish, right? Man has a plan. Man had this plan. Man didn't want to be vulnerable anymore. Man didn't want to be at the mercy of Hashem anymore. You could imagine there was there was you know post traumatic stress disorder after the flood. Uh, if you want to read more about that, actually, my husband, uh, Dr. Yitzhak Schachter, has a great article in the Yeshiva University um, book of Divrei Torah on the Parsha called Mitocha HaOhel. The book is called Mitocha Ohel. He has a great uh, chapter in Parsha Noach. talks about the psychological uh, motivation behind Migdal Babel and the emergence of Avraham. Uh, you could read it over Shabbos if you're interested. Um, but uh, but But, you know, he talks a lot about this, but you could imagine, you know, they were they were, you know, there was PTSD. They were coming out of the flood. They didn't want to be at the mercy of God anymore. So they wanted to rebel against Hashem. So they had this whole plan. And that's the beginning of Parak Yod this whole plan. And if you look at the first four psukim, um, the, it starts, Yod-Alef starts Aleph starts, Vahikola Aretz Safa Achat. Udvari Machadim. And Rashi points out, you know, everybody spoke one language and had a common language and spoke the same language. What do you mean? How do you why do you have to say that twice? So it's basically spoke one language that literally they spoke the same language and they also had one common purpose. And their common purpose was to rebel against Hashem. So the first four Psukim, they're working on this, the making this Migdal, this tower to rebel against Hashem. And then Pasukhei is the transition where, Hashem Ta'ir migdal, asher banu b'nei ha'adam. Hashem came down to check it out, Rashi points out very beautifully. Of course, Hashem knows what's going on, but he's teaching us midos. He's teaching us, you know, if you're going to make a decision and you're going to judge people, go check it out yourself. Don't hear it for second hand or third hand. You have to see it firsthand. So Hashem goes to, quote unquote, check it out. So obviously, he doesn't need to, but he's teaching us that. And then the last four psukim is Hashem, let's call it, V'atzat Hashem, he takum, that man's plan did not last because Hashem had a plan which ultimately lasted, which was that he didn't want man to do, you know, to go through with the plan that man had intended to. And that's why, you know, man tried to do this. And what was their purpose in doing this? They said, We want to do this so that we can make a name for ourselves. And this is what they wanted to do to make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a physical structure as opposed to working on themselves spiritually and 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 behaving nicely to each other, uh, they just wanted this physical strength, this physical structure to represent their physical strength, and that was a mistake. And just to end, there's a actually connection between what they did and the sin of Adam and Chava. We didn't even get into this so much last week, but the sin of Adam and Chava was basically they chose the physical at the expense of the spiritual. Hashem told them, don't eat from the Eitz da'as and they wanted it physically. So they ate from that Eitz da'as even though it was a bad spiritual decision. It was bad for them spiritually, but it was what they wanted physically. And so too, um, Migdal Bavel, that's what this generation is doing as well. They're also choosing the physical, the physical building, the, the edifice, you know, as my husband likes to point out they had an edifice complex, if you will. Um, And (laughs) that was a joke, Uh, but not really. And they wanted, they were focusing on the physical as opposed to focusing on the spiritual, which is really why Hashem had created man to begin with in that Salom Elohim, in the image of Hashem. But they put that aside, that Salom Elohim, that image of Hashem aside in order to focus on their physical strength. So once again, it's a degeneration of man. And that's why we're not surprised when this parak. This parsha doesn't end well either. And until next week, when we have the emergence of Avraham, that is going to be finally the fulfillment of what Hashem had intended when he created man. Thank you for learning together with the OU Women's Initiative. Have a Shabbat Shalom.